Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 320. In order to attract the type of people that you're looking for, you need to put out into the universe the you know your your own ethos, right? So if you if that's out there, people can see it and decide, hey, yeah, that's something I'm interested in. I want to be a part of that. Are you ready for it? Factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then. Join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Hiring a consultant to train your staff and to improve your restaurant can be expensive. Wouldn't it be awesome if you could just get advice from world champion baristas and leading restaurant consultants without spending thousands of dollars? Tipsy believes you should have the chance to learn new skills whenever you need to, which is why they have hundreds of hospitality courses available for only $9 a month. To give you a little something extra, as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you can also get 50% off your first month. All you gotta do is Click the tipsy banner in the show notes. Get on it. Are you opening a restaurant and stressing out with where to start? Or perhaps you've already opened your restaurant and you're finding yourself completely overwhelmed with the day-to-day tasks that only you know how to do. If you feel this way, I've got good news. You don't have to do it alone, nor should you regain control of your business and your life with restaurants owner.com and if you go to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable you will get a 10 day pass for only one dollar get on it with excitement allow me to introduce to you today's guest dimitri Serkin nicolau how did i do you nailed it yes (laughs) dimitri are you feeling unstoppable today my man Oh, Eric, I got my coffee here. I'm beating off the energy. I'm ready to do this. Let's talk. <laughs> All right, beautiful. So Dimitri is the founder and owner of Demos, which exists as a for-profit hospitality organization that champions unity, development, and justice for its guests, its team, and its communities in order to lead the charge in creating a positive, long-lasting impact. Holy cow, man, that mission statement just sings to me. And we're going to learn more about you and how you got to this point to creating something truly amazing in Chicago. And uh, we're going to just steal some of your nuggets of knowledge. And I I can't wait. But before we dive more into you and who you are, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Got it. Well, I thought about this a little bit. Um, When I was a kid, my dad would always say to me, when the going gets tough, the tough get going. And I have always remembered that and channeled that when, you know, things got tough. But as time has gone on and, you know, I've gotten a little bit older, I, uh, I still think that has a lot of value and I still am all about that. But sometimes I, now I think, hey, if the going is getting tough, maybe we should take a step back and like figure out where it is that we're going because maybe it's like, there's another way to go. Yeah, or not only that, but like why are we why does it, why is it tough all of a sudden? Like why did it get tough? Like what are we doing wrong instead of trying to like create a solution for the problem? Let's go back and fix the problem from the beginning. Uh, it's like another thing too. There's so much. I feel like a lot of this is going to come out in the interview, uh, but I love I love where we're getting started. And uh, let me just start by kind of finding out more about you. Like, uh, tell us more about how you got into this industry and you know why you chose this career path. Sure, sure. Well, I I actually I was going to school in Wisconsin in Madison, 
And I was working, I was, you know, kind of pursuing my education there. I was going to school for history and biology, but I was at the same time pursuing a parallel path in, at a restaurant for an owner operator in Madison, Wisconsin. It was also a pizza shop. And I, in working with him and, and pursuing my education, I, I was trying to figure out what direction I should take my life. And the, the owner operator that I was working with really wanted to grow and expand. And as I, as I was learning, you know, in my, in my school, I was thinking like, how can I apply the things that I'm learning about history, the lessons of history? How can I apply that to business? And I really found, I, I mean, I just love food. I love to eat. And working at a pizza shop, it's like food is all around you. Like, yeah, and it's right. little bite sizes, right? So like, I really, I really enjoyed it. And as time went on, I realized that if you operated a business effectively, you could make profits. And with those profits, you could do whatever you thought uh, was necessary, right? Bring whatever change you wanted to the world. And I think a lot of times people think, you know, that means that you can take those profits and, I don't know, buy a fancy car or buy a big house or, you know, like, I think about it from a, just a profit driven mindset, but I really, what I, the reason that I went down that path is because I recognize that, you know, you could make money and with it, you could, you could promote change uh, and the change that you wanted to see. And so I took the, the lessons that I learned in my education and I applied them to, um, to a business. And this business was a business you were working in at the time while you were in college? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, exactly. I was working for a place called Ian's Pizza and they're in Madison, Wisconsin, or they were at the time. Uh, they're still there. Um, and they, yeah, they, I was working with them and after they wanted to grow also, they kind of had that itch. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I was working with this gentleman named Ian and I, I started to talk to him and it seemed like they wanted to like, you know, hey, let's make a new store. But Ian was also passionate about other people having ownership and so I worked with him to uh, gather some investors uh, so that I could move down to Chicago and open up my own shop. And was that another Ian's or is this uh, Demos? So at that time, no, no, at that time, uh, it was actually another Ian's. Okay. It was that we shared the same, we talked about it for a little bit, whether it should, should we do the same name? Should we do something that's different? Uh, in the end, we ended up, we said, you know what? Let's do Ian's, right? We have some brand loyalty. We've, you know, we've created that. And also we can build off of that, right? My, my thought is, well, there's, there's more than one of them. It's going to be, you know, it's going to have a little bit of strength. Yeah. So let's slam on the brakes here uh, because I want to dive deeper. I don't want to get too far into the future because I just want to learn more about uh, you and what you were doing at this time when you first started working at Ian's Pizza. You're, were you majoring in history? Is that what it was? Yeah, history and biology. The history was centered around like the 20th century American history. I think I chose though that particular era and, and of history because it seemed most relevant to uh, where I was. I was living in the United States. I mean, we, I am currently right. And that, that period of time was, you know, what happened, you know, just most recently. Right. So I was like, let's understand that most recent past to understand the, you know, the kind of the upcoming future. Awesome. And I'm curious, uh, how old were you when you first started working at Ian's Pizza? Was this your first like restaurant gig or your first serious like responsible role in a restaurant? It was not my first, but I, you know, I was, I was 18 when I began. Okay. I started at 16 at a dishwasher as almost everybody does <laughs> in the industry, uh, in my hometown of Ames, Iowa. Awesome. And, uh, so how old are you now, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, sure. No, no problem. I'm 31. Okay, cool. So a lot has happened in the past 10 years for you to get to where you are, and I'm really kind of excited to find out the path you took. But uh, what was it um, 
I mean, at what point did you know that this isn't going to just be a for now job, but you're actually going to go full steam ahead? Was that when you opened the second location at uh, Ian's? Oh, got it. Um, no, 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 not at all. It was, I was pretty young. I think I was probably 20 or 21. Really? Cool. Yeah. Because what happened was, so I guess the other, I didn't, I didn't talk about this too much, but my other major was biology and both my parents are scientists. And so the idea of intellectual curiosity, how important it is to have that was really ingrained in me as a, as a kid. It was like surrounded me. It wasn't yeah. ingrained. It just, it just was. Okay. And so I, I took that and at Ian's there was, uh, for whatever reason, for a variety of reasons, a lot of the information was uh, out and open. And so for the first time, I got to, in real time, make decisions about how the, or, the that organization should exist and function, and then get a look at and analyze the outcome of those decisions, both f- from the policy of, uh, the policies that we enacted, the training modules that were created, uh, the way that the menu was priced, uh, how how we operated and how that affected sales on the, on, on the back end. The kind of the, I got to get a really good connection or understand the connection between actions and uh, the effect uh, at, in an organization, in a business. And when I started to do that, I, that gave me the understanding of, Hey, I can like, now that I understand these connections, I can take them and I can do that again somewhere else. Um, but do it for, you know, the reason that I want to do it. And so that was, it, that was, it was pretty young, probably, probably maybe, maybe 21, 22, but around, around there towards my, towards the end of college. Awesome. That was definitely when it, yeah. So some of the big key takeaways, I just want to summarize up to this point, you started working with in this pizza place. Uh, you want to take what you're learning, uh, and apply it to this business and see if you could take what you know to make the business better. You were treating it like you own it. I love when I see that happen. People just not just showing up to work to do their job, but to always take it to the next level. And it sounds like there was almost like a natural form of open book management going on here unintentionally. And you took it upon yourself to learn the numbers and to just be naturally curious and dive deeper and to figure out why things were happening the way they were happening. Is that safe to say? Yeah, that's safe to say. I'll, I won't say it wasn't unintentional. It was intentional. Oh, what, do they know you were doing it or was it just? Oh, yeah, they... yeah. We, we were practicing oh, and cool, cool, cool. I, spent, I spent a lot of time. I mean, I, uh, you've got a Zingerman's t-shirt on. I can see uh, <laughs> uh, Ian at one point went to Zingerman's and learned all about the, you know, the culture of Zingerman's. And so some of the ideals that exist at Zingerman's he brought back. And so I, I spent some time understanding what they were there. And so we also did open book management and I, uh, and it was part of my job to integrate that into, into the organization. Cool. So when, when you were working in this organization at Ian's, what was your title? Uh, well, it started, gosh, at that time, I think that the name of the title was called shift guru. Um, <laughs> shift supervisor was what it was called. Uh, and then, then later it was general manager. Awesome. So how much Sorry. time did you spend total with this company, uh, before you oh, went out on your own? Yeah, sure. I spent from when I be, when I began in college until I graduated, and then about six months after. So four years in Madison, and then we we were uh, an Ian's Pizza in Chicago for about maybe two and a half years. So four years in college, and then four years after. Uh... Uh, I think I think two two and a, two and a half or th- maybe two and a half or three years afterwards uh, in Chicago. 
cool. So um, what were you doing in your role as the GM uh, that uh, put all this faith in you, uh, that allowed people to have faith in you to uh, maybe help, like to have you go open a second location? Like what can we take from your experience uh, or what you did that we can replicate in our own lives to uh, grow professionally? I mean, it's, that, that's, you asked two questions here. I'll yeah. break it down. <laughs> if I, uh, if I, if I break it down, what did I do to be an effective uh, GM so that people trusted me? Yeah. That, that I led by example. Um, I, I mean, I was in char- at that point I was in charge of the training and making the schedule, like everything that a traditional GM would do there. And I did all of those things at the same time as asking other people to do them. So the distinction between, uh, kind of traditionally what you'd see as worker and, um, and management was, was almost entirely erased because I did all of those things. That's not always possible at a, um, you know, depending on the different, you know, different restaurants have different models, but to be able to do what it is that you ask others to do uh, is really powerful. Right. So that was the first thing. Uh, and then on the flip side of that, um, what did I do to be able to expand and grow and come to, you know, come to Chicago and, and build trust on, on that side? I think that I treated the business as if it was my own yeah. and in, and, and not maybe as my own, I treated it as if it was, Ian's and that I showed that is a necessary respect, right? He, he respected it to a certain degree and I saw the work that he put into it. And I, and I said, Hey, I, I respect what it is that you've, what you've built and what you've done. I'll respect it the same way. Let me show you. Mm. And when you do that, that, you know, creates a level of trust that it's not really replicatable. You know, you can't, you can't fake that. So, so when you guys yeah. were opening this this second location, you were opening it as general manager. Uh, oh, at that at that point, I actually put some money in. Oh, cool. So, so take I, us through that. I, let's uh, the kind of break down the evolution of your career. Uh, you were working as a general manager. Uh, how old were you when they decided like the talk of maybe uh, opening another location started taking place? The conversation about making it a second. Yeah, uh, like when did this like, like maybe, this, the reality yeah. of this start to happen? Maybe 2006, 2007. And that was two years after you had graduated. So you're with us. No, no, that, that was, that was while I was in school. Oh, cool. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I'll, we're all over uh, the place. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's fine. It's kind of, there's a, a lot was happening. I mean, okay. I never really stopped. Right. I was like, okay, what's next? Like what's yeah. next? What's, what's next? And I was always thinking about that and pushing that for, you know, forward. Um, you know I mean? Like, I guess I don't know if I could go back. I, I remember one of the things that that I did at Ian's is I I said, "Hey, Ian, we should have four hundred one k plans. I think this would be an important perk for the company." And he said, "I don't know what that means. I mean, he does know what that means, but I don't know what that means for the organization. Why don't you research it and find out?" And I did all the research. I created material. I like showed it to everybody, and we got four hundred one k plans. And wow. so. I was always, like I said, I was always trying, like, what can I do? What can I do? I was just, I would sit there and I would dream, but then I like the dreams are nothing, right? The ideas are nothing <laughs> is taking them and putting them to action. That yeah. makes a difference. I love it. And I use that time to do that. Beautiful. And so then maybe 2000, uh, I, I see where we're going here. I'll just give you the, I'll just keep going here. Um, 2007, 2008 or so, 
or 2006 or 2007, it was clear that they wanted to grow, they wanted to expand. And I, I was like, I'd love to do that. I'd love to lead that charge. Let me lead that charge. And I was given that responsibility. Dimitri, you're, you're, you're the lead person to take Ian's to Chicago. And I thought, this is phenomenal. I'm really excited about this. Uh, let me do this. And so I, I, of course I didn't have the money to, 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 uh, you know, I'm just, I just had just graduated college. Um, so I didn't have the money to do it, but luckily, uh, Ian didn't know some people that had some money. They had seen the success of Ian's. They thought, Hey, you know what? Uh, like let's buy into this, to this, to this new restaurant that, um, uh, that's being made. It's called Ian's. It's probably going to do pretty well. We know how Ian's has gone. And so, uh, Ian got these people together. We got an operating agreement. And one of the things that was important to Ian was that the people that worked at the restaurant owned it. Mm. He, he was very clear about that. Um, Why is that I, so important? Well, I think because he was at that time, he wanted to create, I mean, he wanted to create a place where the person that, you know, like you, when you're, when the ownership is close to the organization, you get a, a, um, a different level of organization. Uh, and I, so on one side, I think that's what it is. And on the other side, I think that he didn't want to be coming down to Chicago to be the owner of it and to like fix any problems that might exist. Right. Like he didn't want that responsibility. Yeah. I mean, there's a different level of pride there. I mean, like the, I'm, it's obvious it's, it's a sense of ownership. When you literally own it, you have the sense of ownership. You have a sense of pride. You're, you're, you have skin in the game. You're committed. Uh, and, and that holds way more weight than just having a job that, you know, if you get sick of it or if you're unhappy, you can just, you know, wipe your hands and walk away. Like you can't do that when you have skin in the game. So there is some, you know, there, there is some sense there. Uh, plus it's just, why not share the wealth? I mean, I love the saying the pies are always better shared. Who wants to eat a pie alone? You know, share the pie. It's, it's going to be much more enjoyable. Uh, so you, you said that, uh, so were you a partner at Ian's or did, did you put all the money down? Did you get loans to put, were you like the majority no, uh, I, owner? Or? No, I put it, I mean, I put in as much as I could into just that one restaurant in Chicago. Okay. And the rest, the rest were other people. Okay. Uh, investors. So it was you and Ian and other investors. You got it. And how, what were, how was that broken up in percentage wise? Like how, if you don't mind sharing, uh, I, I mean, I don't remember is <laughs> is really more the thing because the deal, the deal that we worked out was that after, uh, and this was kind of essential to it after two years, I would be able to buy them out. Okay. Uh, this is 2007 that this kind of a deal is loosely worked out. And when I say loose, it's pretty loose. Um, and so, 2007 is a different story than 2008 in terms of financing because obviously 2008, the recession takes place, banks shut down. So 2007, the idea is, hey, you know, you're going to work hard for two years. After two years, you're going to be able to show the cash flow of the business. You're going to prove that you've done a, you know, a phenomenal job managing the restaurant. You have cash flow to prove that. You can now take, uh, you can go to the bank, use the business as a collateral and, and get a loan to buy out the existing owners. And I thought, okay, that sounds great. That like, because I knew, like I said, I spent that time before learning. I just learn, learn, learn. So I was, I, I felt like I knew enough to operate this place successfully, so that I could, um, so I could actually pull that plan off. Yeah, and you know, of course, 
Yeah, and you pulled it off, man, and you did a great job. And I think one of the big things we need to take away from your story is that if you treat it like you own it, like you said, if you give before you expect to get, you always got to give before you expect to get. You've got to go above what's expected from you. And when you do that, your employers will recognize it and they will see you as an asset and when they want to grow they're going to bring you with them and they're going to develop you even further and give you the skills invest in your knowledge invest in you and then you can take that knowledge to go on and do your own thing eventually someday or stay with the company and open your own concept so let me ask the next question i'm curious about why did you choose to leave ian's after two years when uh, they said they would give you the option to, to buy it out why didn't you buy it sure out? sure 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 let me can i I want to go off what you just said because that's so important. Okay, please. And I think roll this. Especially for a for a upcoming uh, restaurant tour, someone that wants to see themselves, or a, it's, it, I don't really even consider myself a restaurant tour. I consider myself an entrepreneur. But it, for somebody that is trying to do that, it is equally important. Yes, you should give before before you get. But you also, when you're applying for a job, you you have to think about. Even though it's really hard and you have a hard time seeing one week in front of yourself, you know, at the age of like 20, like that's tough to do. But you need to think about, is this place worth doing that? Because mm. you want to do that, but you don't want to do that for just anybody. Otherwise, you just give, 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 and you're not going to receive anything because it's not, you're not in a, you know, you're not doing it with the right people. Yep. Um, so I, when you interview, you not, you like I always think that a person that's being interviewed should also be interviewing the, the job that they're going for so they make sure that they're going to, you know, be at a place that's going to fit with them where they are going to give and, and receive at the same levels. Um, I couldn't agree more. And thank you for putting emphasis on that. You don't want to be wasting energy at the wrong place. Have some foresight. Be a part of the team that will get you to where you're trying to go. Uh, yeah. It's huge. Uh, absolutely. Uh, and I kind of forgot where we're headed before that's okay i got it i got it so after after about uh and it's it's a it, i mean i could really get into the nuts and bolts of it but i think uh the, at the high level what happened was uh two years passed or, or roughly about around that amount of time i exercised the 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 option to buy them out uh so i bought out all of the owners and owned it entirely okay um at the same time and kind of like happening in tandem Ian's turned into a franchise. Oh, okay. And so what happened then was that I, it just, it just was not the direction that I felt like we had begun. Mm. Um, I, I felt a franchise, you know, I mean, it has some strength, but at its core, in my opinion, is it's a, it's somewhat of an exploitative document. That doesn't mean it needs to be used in an exploitative fashion, that doesn't mean that um, that doesn't mean that it's inherently bad, but it is. It is. It gives power in an maybe a, in an unbalanced manner. Okay. Maybe that's it's not exploitative. It gives because it's not exploitative because everybody knows what it is, but it does give power in an unbalanced manner. Let's dive in. You said let's not give her. Uh, I mean, I'm kind of I lean in your direction. I'm wearing the Zingerman shirt. Um, sure. Let's talk about the benefits real quick. What are the benefits? You said there are some benefits. So what were the benefits there, in your opinion? Well, so the benefits are that you sure we, if we want to break it down a lot. Don't go too crazy. Just like real aerial. Yeah. I mean, I think you get it. You get to tag along to a business that already exists and has a proven model. That's clearly a benefit. So the low risk, right? Uh, in theory, you get 
you know, some decent, uh, some decent systems and structures to help you run. So you have like a model, right? Okay. And that helps. Okay. And what you, you use this really fancy, uh, explanation or series of words, uh, exploited and document. Did I say that right? I never heard oh, those words again. I, I said it, it, it can be an exploitative document. It, like an, a franchise agreement can be an exploitative document because it can, and it, it's exploitative in the sense that it, the, it, but I, I, I take that back. It's not exploitative. It is, it's just unbalanced. Okay. Um, but it, you, you know what though? Some, it's good for some people. Some people, if you're looking for a low risk, uh, opportunity, but you're, you do not want to, uh, you, you also want to, in exchange for that low risk, you want to give up some of your control and creativity, then it's a phenomenal thing. Right. But for me at that time, it was, uh, it was not right. It was imbalanced because it was going to create an, a, a situation that was not going to be, you know, it, you know what I was looking for. And that's okay. For? Well, I was looking for the, the freedom to create, uh, the social change that you talked about in the, at the you know, that you, that you shared the mission at the very beginning. That's what I was looking for. Why can't and you create for, social change with the, with the franchise? I'm being a dick. Well, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you're not being a dick. You, it's not, it's not, it's not as if I, it's not as if I couldn't. And I don't want to, I'm, I'm not trying to burn the, the Ian's guys either. The, you know, a lot of them have hearts of gold. Yeah. Uh, I spent a lot of good time with them. They're great people. It's just that, when you have a franchise, your the essence of your organization is a little bit different than if you're an independent operator. And so I, when I when I when I kind of weighed those two, you know, here I have this organization that I own, and if I lock on to this franchise, you know, the concern is that like then am I going to be able to do what is best for the people uh, that have been coming into Chicago that we've been taking care of as a local owner operator since the beginning. Right. Because in that scenario, that's a, that was exactly the scenario that played out. I was the local op- owner operator. I did absolutely everything that I felt was right by the people that, you know, came in. I don't like why would I want to give that up? Yeah. Why would I want why would I want to take that away from the people that came in? Right. That uh, that just seemed that just seemed like we'd be going in the opposite direction um, of what the trajectory of uh, a business that wants to create social change uh, would would take. Okay, cool. Uh, the reason why I was just kind of keeping quiet and asking all those questions and trying to pull back the layers because I, I kind of lean in the direction that you lean in with uh, independently owned operations. And for me, the, 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 the difference, the benefits of being independent is it feeds into the higher needs of individuals. Uh, cor- franchises are really, they're very rigid and uh, it's trying to accomplish the, the vision and the dream of one person where what really lights us all up on the inside is that our ability to, like you say, be creative into, uh, to pivot and change into, uh, or what's basically to, if we develop these people and they have a vision for something else, then we can look at them and say, well, what do you want to create? Like Zingerman's does. Okay, well let's invest in that vision and give you this freedom to create something truly special. Like there's very, uh, low ceilings for growth in, in franchises. And I think that's, in my opinion, one of the core issues uh, and why they aren't great. Um, thoughts on what I shared? Yeah, I, I, that, I, I think that's an interesting uh, and fairly accurate sentiment that <laughs> it is really great for the creativity of maybe like one, one person, the, the person that owns the franchise 
that again, that's not to say that it can't be done in a kind of like just way. And if there's anybody that would do it in a fair and just way, it would definitely be the Ian's people in my opinion. But that said, that said, it just was like, that is, it wasn't going, that wasn't going to be me. You know, I, I, I have the, you know, when I look at the values and the philosophies of, of Demos, that would not have been realized there, you know? And I needed, I I wanted, you know, I wanted to, you know, light other people's fire, right. Or like help, help their flame burn. And I felt like that the doing it in an independent route was going to be the way to do it. So thank you for bringing it back to you. Like we got a little sidetrack there. This is about you. This is about your journey. Uh, We, we're going to be, we're going to stop bashing franchises now. (laughs) We love everyone. Uh, So, uh, 2009, approximately, you decide to sell uh, your franchise and start from scratch with Demos. Uh, no, no, no. Thank you I decided it, it was 2011 or 2011, and I didn't decide to sell my franchise. Okay. I decided not to join the franchise. Oh. I already owned it. Uh, I already owned the Ian's Pizza in Chicago, 100. percent um, I, I took my ownership from like maybe like five percent to 100 percent. Um in 2010 and then 2011 at the beginning, I, I said, Hey, I, I cannot join this franchise. I can't be a part of it. Okay. Got you. So, uh, I think we kind of already covered why, uh, yep. why you made that decision. So what was the next step? How did you, how did you progress into creating what is now Demos? Yeah, great. So, I mean, that was kind of the, if I, this was kind of a fun thing because in from 2008, we opened in 2008 from 2008 to 2000. Uh, 11, like the end of 2010, I guess we operated as a restaurant and pretty much that was it. We just, okay, let's keep going. Let's make more pizza. Let's deliver more pizza. Let's serve more pizza. Let's do it as effectively as possible. You know, let's get our name out there, but we didn't do, we didn't ever stop and pause and think like, who are we? Why are we here? What are we doing? Like we didn't, we didn't, we solved one problem over and over and over again and got really good at it. But when we changed, when we changed from, from, uh, from Ian's to Demos, we had, we had to go through this, I mean, this huge growth spurt internally mm. because what happened was we changed and we changed overnight. We didn't tell anybody that we were changing. Um, and that is, we didn't give our customers time to understand what, what we did and why we did it. And when we, and when you, when you kind of like leave your customers in the dark like that, when you don't tell them what you're doing, you, you know, I mean, people are already pretty fickle in the restaurant industry. They're like, you know, that dish changed. I don't like it. That place is no good anymore. Right. Uh, that can happen. And so when you change, when we change names, there was a, you know, people was like, who, what's, who's Demo? What, like, what's Demo? Where's Ian? Did they sell out? What, you know, there was like this huge, uh, backlash is a, probably an apt word to describe it. Um, and we had to, we found ourselves, uh, quite honestly, a little bit scrambling. We had our, our sales dropped. We were confronted with, you know, people's opinion about us that was, you know, complete, like, you know, people saying, you know, you changed, you changed names and you, you sold out. And it was like, well, we're all the same people. We didn't, we didn't join a franchise to be a part of a different state. Like we're like, we decided to stay here in Chicago. That's not true. We have been, you know, making the product that you guys like this entire time. That's not true either. But none of that really mattered because people's perception was that, uh, you know, well, we're different. 
And so we spent a lot of time in 2000 and uh, I guess it was 2012, the beginning of 2012, uh, educating people about what it was, like why we did what we did uh, and what, what that meant for them. And it's safe to say that education process is what you already shared with us earlier with wanting to go inward and have more impact. Do you want to dive into what that education process looked like or what you were training them on? I mean, initially, the education process was simply, hey, guys, just so you know, we are the exact same company. You know, we have the exact same uh, ownership. We have the exact same employees. We have the exact same pizza. Like, it's okay. And <laughs> like that, that was the message. That's it. Like, yeah. period. Get it out to as many people. Quite honestly, it was a little bit too late. We, we did, we probably, I mean, we probably destroyed a decent size of our, um, loyal customer base. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that happened. And then at the same time, the area that we're in, uh, was transitioning. So, you know, kind of like that, there was also a natural, uh, kind of like, uh, movement away from from Wrigleyville as a neighborhood. Um, not maybe that that kind of happens in conjunction with the Cubs uh, doing well or <laughs> yeah. not doing so well. And 2012, 13, and 14 weren't the the best. So you said something earlier that just lit me up inside, and that was you had a growth spurt internally. Oh yeah, I got you. What is an internal growth spurt? Sure. I mean, I think it's <laughs> the for us what it meant was that we had to dis- de- determine what it meant to be a demos. Like, what does that mean? What is demos about? What does it stand for? We knew all those things intrinsically because we we just lived them. But it's hard for people that are brought into that. Se- I mean, at that point when we changed. Almost everyone that had worked there had worked there for, you know, two or three years of a business that had been open for for three or four years. So the people that had worked there had worked there for a very long period of time. Uh, And so we just knew it intrinsically what it was that we were. But if we're going to grow externally, we need to grow internally, at least the structures, so that we can translate who we are to people without having to have them go through two or three years of, uh, you know, of working in the organization. Mm. And so essentially what you were doing, I'm assuming was really developing, uh, this mission statement, these, the vision for the future, your core values, your ethics, all these things that are so key to developing that culture. So I'm just going to read the, the, the mission statement again, which was actually your introduction because I loved it so much. And, uh, and then you can dive into what this means. Uh, actually, do you know the, the mission statement by heart? Uh, I can give a crack at it. Uh, we are a Demos Pizza is a for-profit hospitality organization uh, that exists to provide development, unity, and a sense of justice for our guests, our team members, and our communities in order to lead a, the charge in creating a long-lasting change. Not word for word, but you got the important stuff. It's all, all right. awesome. Uh, but what? Okay, why did you choose this? Why did you grow, you grew internally and you went in this direction? Why are these things important? Why were these assets these 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 all these points you put in your your mission statement why were those important to you well i think two reasons one is that again as i said in order to attract the type of people that you're looking for you need to put out into the universe the you know your your own ethos right so if you if that's out there people can see it and decide hey yeah that's something i'm interested in i want to be a part of that Mm. right so that's the first reason and the second reason is because um we 
we chose we choose to lead as a kind of mission and uh, values driven organization, not as a uh, profit driven organization. And you can't just say that without having the those other pieces in place, right? So we had to create those and we had to integrate them into, you know, kind of the the trading so that we could teach people about them. So that again, if we decided to grow externally, the the team that we would bring in would understand what that meant and would understand what our what our values are and would understand, you know, how they should approach problems, um, you know, or how we do at Ian or at Demos. Beautiful. I mean, we have to understand that every organization has a microculture, a way of thinking, a way of doing things. It's the unspoken and spoken everything about our business that's not common sense. Like you can't expect somebody to come on the off the road, plug get plugged into your your restaurant and completely understand what is happening there. You need to you need to spell it out. You need to create that that reason for existence uh beyond the real world. Like it's like the the world within the world, your business that people you need to paint that picture for them. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. What you're talking about is culture. Yeah. Exactly. Uh- you, you got it. You have to have some guiding documents that provide a baseline for what the culture is. And even, even once you do that, that does not ensure that the culture is going to be perfect, that it's going to match, you know, uh, again, you've got the Zingerman shirt on the, they always talk about the culture gap. You've got a, a defined culture that you, you know, here are the, uh, I'll you I'll, let me use some, some of the specifics, right? Uh, so one of the ones that we chose was open book management, right? I talked a lot about how exciting it was to, to be able to see, to make changes and see the effects of those changes. And I wanted, I, I thought that people need to be provided that opportunity. It's a necessity for them to grow. And so we, we, we put that in, right. But does that mean that every single person that we hire is going to be able to take that information and do something with it? Well, no, there's going to be, you know, some people are going to be much more prone to like to dive in and look and understand than others. So maybe some people aren't so, so numbers based, right. But so there is always going to be a gap, but you, if you don't have what it is that you're, you're, you think you want your culture to be shaped by, uh, then it's, it's shaped by just the will of, uh, of the people that are there. Yeah, uh, I love it. And, and what you're creating is social change. Um, and you say this in a couple of videos I watched. You also call it creating purpose profit. Uh, do you want to dive in with what you mean by perfect purpose profit? Uh, yeah, maybe it's profit purposeful passions. I think that's what maybe you're referring to. Possibly, yeah. Uh, yeah. That? So we've got to If you go to our website, uh, there's a little about us tab. There's a, we have a manifesto written out and in it are seven different philosophies. And one of the philosophies is, uh, is called our purposeful passions. And it's just a fancy way of honestly of saying that we are going to give back to the communities in which we're part of in three guided areas. And we chose these areas because we recognize that there are things that sh- Chicago itself needs um, or that we want to give back to in, in regards to. And that is uh, art, education and bicycle advocacy. Um, well, education is, is obvious. The organization itself is, I mean, I I say this all the time. I'm like, we are an education institution. We are provide, we are giving people, um, whether they are, you know, whether they, uh, finished high school, didn't finish high school, are in college, didn't finish college. Um, we're giving them an education, right? It's a challenge. 
every single day that you come to work, you should be learning something. And so that's important for us. We should be adding to that in the community in which we exist. Uh, bicycle advocacy, I mean, in Chicago, it's a fairly large, uh, obviously metropolitan area. You need good mixed use transportation. Uh, we also deliver all of our pizzas on bike, every single one of them, even through the winter. Uh, so it's important that we support that as well. A bunch of fat tires riding around the city. <laughs> uh, you know, they really should get some fat tires. That would be good. It's tough though, because it, the last couple of winters actually have been fairly, um, uh, mild to be honest. Really? Uh, it hasn't been so necessary. That's Not that it, it still snows. <laughs> good news for your delivery drivers, but I mean, just creating impact and it's right in your mission statement. And the, the things that really stick out to me in this mission statement are the whole idea of just championing unity uh developing and just justice for long lasting impact not just to your team but to your community and we for some reason over the past hundred years have lost the sense of uh community of transformative relationships of being there for the people that we're directly connected to it's all transactional and what you're doing is breaking that transactional environment in creating something that exists for a purpose to champion these things that you believe in and you're picking things that are not only important to you but now that will might also be really appealing to your target demographic your target audience which is art education and bicycles in a city like chicago like you're gonna get a, a whole massive uh, group network of people that that, that that's going to sing to and they're going to be your brand ambassadors and it just creates such a unity a, a, a strong ties with your community and um, it is not for the, the sake of being a smart business person yes doing good is good business but you have you doing good because that's what you want to do and that's the message I want people to see in what you're doing any thoughts on what I shared I mean yeah that uh, you share you share a lot of things. So it's not, <laughs> sorry, let me. I go let me try and find the the thing that I think that is most important and that I think about the most now, and maybe this will kind of pivot us in a different direction here a little bit, is the state of the economy today and the type of work that exists and the type of work that will continue to exist into the future. And if you look at the number of jobs that exist. The numbers that of jobs that are kind of like low skill are shrinking, right? Because they're being lost to automation. That's the number one place that we're losing jobs to is automation, which I don't consider that a bad thing. But if we do not take action on kind of on all fronts, we need to take action from a standpoint of our organizations. We need to take action from a standpoint of our education system. Uh, and we need to take a standpoint, uh, a stance uh, from government policy, we need to, for lack of better words, uh, attack the problem or look to solve the problem from all three of those areas so that the workforce that we have can move in the direction that the economy is going to go. And the role that I see Demos playing in that or the role that I see small business playing in that, or that ideally is creating jobs so where the uh, allow and um, give people a kind of a creative outlet so that they can take the strengths that they naturally have mm. and and foster those strengths so that they can instead of being they're being replaced by uh, robots or or whatever automation function is going to take place that they're able to help uh, they're able to help put those uh, that or those automations in place uh, to continue to grow themselves. Uh, it's like you have to harness that change 
And if you're if you're stuck in a in a low wage, low skilled job and you're never learning new skills, you're going to get left behind. And I, the role of Demos in, in leading that charge or. Um, well, yeah, in leading that. Char- absolutely. in leading that charge is to do that is to provide people with skills that they would not have otherwise so that they can take them and you know not get left behind. Yeah, I, I feel like. To kind of tie it to what you're saying, to tie it to what I was saying earlier with the whole transactional relationships, uh, the worker-employer relationship has gotten to the point where it's just so transactional. Like, I'm paying you $12 an hour to do this job. That's where it ends. But you stop investing in this person as a member of society, growing them as not only a professional, but as a a, a person. <laughs> like the higher needs, the things that they need to be an integral part of the society when they are doing the same thing for the next generation of people behind them. And it, we just, even down to like the school system, like every, like nobody wants to be responsible for raising and developing and mentoring the next generation of Americans. Um, it's like, that's the school's problem, right? I feel like businesses need to get away from that whole idea of that's your job and millennials are so difficult. They don't want to come and do their job, but what are you doing to the millennial or for the millennial to want them to come work for you? What incentives are you giving them? Like they're, they're starved from social interaction because they grew up with in a world of transactions and you need to, we need to start being there for these people. And I think that's, is that safe to what, is that aligned to what you're saying? You're, you're, you want to be the solution in educating these young people and developing them and, and helping them find their lane and grow vertically w- within what's right for them, not shoving them into the mold, but letting them cr- create their own mold. Uh, yes, let, let, letting them create their own mold. I mean, I think that what choice do we have? Like the, the, we, this is the workforce that we have. We have to do our best with it. We can spend a lot of time complaining and looking back and saying like, it's your fault. It's this fault. It's that fault. None of that really matters. What matters is what is in front of us at the current present time. And, you know, we bring on the, the best people that we can. And, and yes, and I think a lot of the organization has, uh, has been shaped by how can we, give these people an opportunity that these team members that, that want to work at a mission driven, uh, values driven organization, uh, an opportunity to, to take, to learn and understand what truly makes an organization function. Um, and then, uh, and then self-actualize, right. Do that to their, the, the best possible degree. And that's what, that's what the, that's what the goal is because, and, and if that means, you know, we have to address, you know, uh, some basic things like, like basic communication skills, um, how to hold people accountable, then that's that's what we have to do, right? Absolutely. And uh, you, you already mentioned one of these things, but you had in your uh, your about page that you have uh, the triple bottom line. Uh, you already talked about open book management being one of them, something that comes up a lot in the show. But what are the other two? So I think it was service leadership and positive something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, what. sure. There, I mean, yeah, so we have seven different philosophies. Okay. Um, uh, we have a list of core values uh, that we want uh, to see out of the people that work there that are intrinsic to them. Um, but then there are seven, uh, there are six other val- uh, six other philosophies that dictate how we want to approach problems, how we want to think about things. Um, uh, we talked about purposeful passions, right? So that's the idea of giving back to those three different areas. Um, we talked about open book management. Uh, and, and again, when you talk about how the, are we going to spend our time developing the, the team members that work here, open book management is an essential part of that because how are they going to learn and grow if they do not have access to the information um, about what the, the job that they're doing, right? They're not going to, they're not going to. 
You know, they're not going to be able to see the results of the hard work that they put in. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, the other, the other philosophy that I think is important came from Daniel Pink. I, are you familiar with him? He wrote the book called Drive. Yeah, he also wrote another great book. Uh, what was it? Um, to Sell as Human, which is, I think, another awesome one. That's I haven't read Drive, though, but yeah, keep going. Okay, well, he talked about the idea of um, that if you provide mastery, autonomy, and a sense of purpose – for uh for a, a, a team members or a group a group a group of, of people that you're going to see motivation if, if you provide those three things mastery the ability to master something a sense of autonomy to learn you know to get your time get in there not have to be micromanaged um and a sense of purpose if you provide those three things that is going to provide motivation and so that's another uh philosophy of ours that has been you know integral um to, to kind of that success because that, I mean, that's exactly what we do. Mm-hmm. We, we actually, we ha- I mean, I want to kind of get into this a little bit as well. We actually went so far as to eliminate managers and supervisors. Um, and that, that's a whole other thing. We can get out of that in a second. But uh, so you really have a sense of autonomy. You, hey, like you're, no one's going to go in there and, you know, have a manager like breathing over their neck saying, hey, do this, do this, do this. Um you, you, we also create these really nice, uh, we, have, we call them syllabi, they're training uh, packets. So you start, you begin, uh, and it teaches you how to, you know, sling pizza effectively and also how to work inside of an organization that functions with all these philosophies and values. Mm. Um, and you go through it once, you, and, and that's the kind of like the autonomy and the mastery, right? Uh, and then the sense of purpose is obviously, you know, you've read that mission statement a couple of times. Uh, that's, that's a big part of it as well. And so when people see that there's, they're like, okay, cool. I know what it means to work at Demos. I know what I can get out of it. Like I'm, I'm into it. Awesome. And, uh, what you're talking about is, is exactly what our boy Tom Walter was talking about, who recommended I connect with you. And that's that disciplinary, uh, what is it? Of course, it escapes my mind just as about <laughs> um, dis- disciplinary leadership or leader or it'll probably come to me. But it's the idea of creating the entangled uh, company where it's led by the, the, the company is led by its employees, which are the leaders. It's a, it's a company of employees who are leaders and you don't need to have management because they all know how to do their job because your job as leaders, the managers is to enable them to not need you. Is that what yeah. I'm hearing? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of times people get stuck in management positions and feel like if they, if they're not managing people, they're not doing their job. But the truth is, is that I I think that a good manager and it's, uh, let's take the word manager out. All you need to do is lead by example. Mm. And if you lead by example, (laughs) servant leadership. Yeah. And that's, that's another one of our philosophies. If you lead by an example effectively, uh, what you're doing is you're just showing people the way, like, hey, let me show you what works. And if, and again, if people have that, that freedom to be able to watch what you do and see the results of that, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to learn something from that. And so you, the, your, your, your job becomes not manager. And this is why we eliminate these positions, but instead mentor. Mm. Right. Yes. And, and that's the, yeah. And that's the key thing because you, you've been talking a lot about transformative relationships Again, it's like, how is, okay, so this, you know, there's this guy, he's 20, he, it's his first or second or third job or whatever, but he's, he doesn't know what he wants to do in his life or she doesn't know what she wants to do in her life. They're trying to figure that out. And I think that, 
you know, again, I'm in restaurants. I, I mean, we're selling pizza, but it, we could be selling uh, bolts. It doesn't really matter what it is that we're selling. We just want to, we want it to, to, we want people that work there to learn something while they're working there and to understand we'll go, we'll use bolts, how to sell the best bolt and make the best bolt that we possibly can. Because ultimately whatever you go on to do in life, that's what you want to be able to do. Mm, I love it, man. And Wow, this has turned out to be awesome. I knew it was going to be the word that I couldn't think of or the saying is discretionary discipline, where essentially you give them the discipline um, with the culture, the values, the the like leading by example, and then then you give them the discretion to make the decisions on their own because you've enabled them with the, the right mindset. Uh, and that's what you've done. And it's beautiful. And it all starts from just going deep impact, uh, having those, uh, what you called earlier, almost like, the uh the, the growth spurt internally but you never stop going deeper and when you keep going deeper into yourself you go straight through yourself in into through other people and you just continue that inward growth within other people just think about going deep impact um is how i think about it uh and over time that inward growth will lead to outward growth uh which is ha- now done for you how many locations are you no. So yeah, so uh, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about external and internal growth. One of the things that took place right after we changed names and spent a lot of time transitioning to to, G, to demos is that we started to think about uh, that external growth immediately. I would say probably too soon. Within eight months or so of changing, we had uh, signed a new lease wow. for a new space that was three times the size of the original. Oh, um, so how did that hurt? Uh, well, it, it hurt because I guess in order to, to make that second location, it requires significantly more financing. We needed to, uh, we need to get a loan from a bank. We needed to bring on some investors. So it was a much more expensive, uh, and time sort of commitment, uh, process and when you spend time on that, you can't spend time on the internal growth, right? And so had I, if, you know, if I could go back in time and tell, you know, younger Dimitri a couple of things, uh, I'd probably give him a dissertation or two. But the, if I could only do one or two things, I would say, hey, you know, be patient. It's, you know, you, you don't you don't need a rush. There's no need. It's, it is more important to make and, and it's not something that I don't know already, but it's something that is easy to forget. Mm. It's more important to make, you know, one thing that is incredible and beautiful than it is to make 10 that are just okay. And that has always been a sentiment that I've had. I've always felt that. Um, but, you know, I, I, if I could be uh, open and vulnerable for a second, I had, we had just changed names. And I think a part of me was, you know, feeling like, hey, I want to prove it to myself that I can, that I can grow and that I don't need, you know, this other name, um, to do that. Um, and so that's the, you know, that, that part of that probably drove the growth more than, more than maybe it should have. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's part of what gets people in trouble thinking about themselves and uh, no offense, thinking about themselves and making it about them and forgetting that this industry is about everyone except you. And when you have that mentality of, I am the last person that is going to like, ultimately you lead by example, but you've got to make it about other people, about your team, about your employees, uh, you know, about your community, about your guests. Um, and then ultimately with, if you're patient and you focus on going deep, those ties, that loyalty, that rapport you create with all these people, 
I mean, I mean, eventually you need to go out, not because you want to grow for yourself to prove it to yourself, but because you need to provide opportunity to these other people uh, because they've reached the ceiling. They can't grow anymore. And it's your responsibility to allow them to continue to grow by offering lateral growth and and letting them lead more people from what they learn from you. Um, it's beautiful. Um uh, and how many locations are you up to now? I'm curious. Yeah, so right now we have two because uh, after we grew the second location, uh, we we paused and we went back and we I, we went back and did that internal growth, and that's kind of where we are right now. Is we've been uh, I mentioned this earlier the elimination of managers. We have been uh, working on these three these three points: uh, self management, evolutionary purpose, and wholeness. And we've been integrating these three things into our organization. And they all three of them existed already to some degree. Um, wholeness is the idea that people can come to work and feel like they can be themselves, that they don't have to put on a mask. In a restaurant setting, it's a little bit more rare that that exists, that, that you have to put on a mask. Generally, not always, but generally, uh, there's a little bit more uh, latitude in a restaurant. Although certainly, you know, you get fine dining restaurants. There's a certain way that you have to be, right? Um, you know, you there's there's ways that you do, and there's ways that you do not. There, <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, and you know, there's other you know kind of kitschy places where people have to you know put on a mask and be uh, a little bit of a different person. They're like, okay, like this restaurant wants me to say say these certain things, right? Um, so that's what wholeness is, is that you don't have to do that, that you can come to work and be yourself. And that doesn't mean that you come to work and be like, hey, I'm, you know, <laughs> be crazy and like, you know, do whatever you want. There's still things that you know that are things that are going to be good for the business and good for you as an individual. Uh, there's still a set of philosophies that you should abide by. Um, and so that's what wholeness is about. Evolutionary purpose is the idea that you can take these ideas, these um, th- those philosophies and that mission and everybody in the organization can shape them. Beautiful. I love right? it. I, are, are you a hard stop at 10 a.m.? No. Okay, cool. Because uh, this is great. And I want to make sure I'm not cutting you short before you get into the speed round. Uh, is there anything else that you want to make sure we touch upon up, that hasn't really gotten enough attention or hasn't gotten any attention at all up to this point? Yeah, I think that the other thing that um, – I, I guess hey, it is actually what I'm talking about right now. It is this this transformation because this has been the the bulk of the work that we've done over the last uh, like six months to a year. Um, we have uh, in the, the last part of that I, I said evolution first, but the last part of that is self management, and that has meant um, eliminating managers and creating a decision making process so that every single person, once they finish their training, can make a decision about how the organization functions. Uh, and that has, when you eliminate those positions and you, you break, we, we broke down those responsibilities into different roles that people could fulfill. What it does is that it opens the path. So, you know, you get, uh, I don't know, Joe who joins the organization and goes through his training. And once he finishes his training, there's all these variety of roles that he can do. Like if he is a finance oriented person, he can do financial analysis uh, or he can do forecasting or he can create financial games. Or if he's more into the brand side, he can do copywriting or social media or insert whatever it is. And each of those different roles provides him with uh, uh, more income. Mm. 
And so we've created this this structure um, that really has only been in play for the last six months or so. But it is seen we have seen the largest number of people, and not a surprise here, taking on roles outside of um, you know slinging or making pizza. Uh, you know that we've ever seen before. Whereas previously, you had to move up into a general manager, or excuse me, a supervisor or assistant manager role. Um, and so that has been, I mean, we've had, we just have such a huge group of people that are excited because they, it's like they, they're like holding this power in their hands, um, which is both amazing and terrifying for both them and the organization. At the same yeah. time. Because with all that power, if we quote Spider-Man here comes a whole hell of a lot of responsibility. Yeah. And so we've been spending a a lot of time teaching people what to do with that. Um, And that's kind of the, that's the precipice. uh, That's like where we're at right now. It's not a precipice. That's the, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. I love it, man. And it all starts with just choosing to go deep and to get to know your people and to have that transformation, not just pay them and know their name, but like, what are you good at? What are your passions? How can I give you an outlet to express what it is that you're put on this planet to do? And, and give you that self-efficacy and give you that self-actualization, the, 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 the opportunities to reach these higher needs that we all have. It's a beautiful man. Like, thank you for seeing the value in this and choosing to do it. I mean, I'm going to say it's, it's the hard way. Um, and I, is that safe to say? Yeah. Hey, you, uh, I, I am, I've spent a little bit of time studying us presidents and the Kennedy, always said we we choose to do this not because it's easy but it's because it's hard because it will test the best of us mm. and that is i've always that has always felt that was always connected to me yeah it's the hard way but like that's what pushes us for, forward right yep so that's why we do it but you know it's it's not greatness isn't determined by how quickly we can find the path of least resistance it's, it's about having the discipline to show up to do something that matters and that makes a difference and that has an impact and we have gotten too used to simplicity. We are a very spoiled generation of people where things have been gotten so easy that we expect it to be easy, but it's embrace the work, you know, lean into it. Like just do, do the work. And if you do the work and you, and you do it the hard way, the, if you play the long game and take the path, less traveled, it's almost always better off in the end. So, I just salute you for having the discipline to do it the hard way. Well, thank you. Awesome. And uh, I, mean, I think you kind of already shared a failure. I think I, I try to get all my guests to share a failure and tell us about a time they fell hard on their butt. Uh, but you said you kind of grew too fast. Um, is it safe to say that that would have been your failure? Uh, I to a big location too soon. Sure. I, that was a tough one. I, I kind of read that. Uh, I think that that, that certainly was a, a failure because I wasn't ready for the challenges that were going to come with that second uh, location. I was talking to um, uh, a friend of mine who said, you know, they're, they're still looking for their second location. And they said, you know, we, we really don't want to pull the trigger on a, sec- a second location too fast because if we make a, if we do a bad decision on the second location, there won't be a third. And that's, I, I think it's anytime you're expanding, you have to recognize that that is a huge moment that, will define, you know, your time moving forward. So each expansion, it's like you do a whole bunch of work and then it's like you get whatever uh, you have created and it that will define how the next, you know, five years or depends on how fast you grow, right? But it, it, will, it will have a huge impact. 
And I don't think I, I recognized how big that impact would have was going to be. Cool. So awesome. Uh, man, this has been great up to this point. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor and we'll be right back. After studying over 300 successful restaurant professionals, I've discovered that to be successful in the restaurant industry, you need skills that go far beyond knowing how to cook. All of our guest mentors are damn near experts on business operations, systems, and culture. That is not a coincidence. That is what it takes to be successful. This is exactly why I tell everyone I know who wants to open a restaurant or is in the restaurant business to get a membership to restaurantowner.com. For only $29 a month, you have access to over 300 templates, including business plans, checklists, forms, manuals, and procedures. In addition, you have countless resources at your fingertips. To join a community that has helped over 40,000 restaurant owners make better lives for themselves, head over to restaurantowner.com slash unstoppable and because you are restaurants unstoppable listeners you will get the first 10 days for only one dollar again that's restaurantsowner.com slash unstoppable whether you're just getting started in the restaurant business or if you're a seasoned veteran there's always something new to learn that never ends But what hasn't changed is the time you get to learn. Tipsy has taken everything you need to know and put it in one easy-to-access location. With Tipsy, you can learn what you want, when you want, by accessing an incredible library of video courses on topics like food and beverage, service, marketing, and business operations. It's basically a one-stop shop for everything you need to run a successful restaurant. You can also use Tipsy as a staff training tool. Through the management platform, you can select the courses that matter to you and schedule them out to your employees in a few simple clicks. Individual memberships are only $9 a month, and as a restaurant unstoppable listener, you receive an extra 50% off your first month. So what are you waiting for? For $4.50, you can have access to this incredible resource right now. Just find the tipsy banner in the show notes. We're back, and we're going to try to make this a quick one to stay under an hour and a half. But (laughs) uh, what is your it factor, habit, trait, characteristic, something you believe most contributes to your success, Dimitri? Uh. Yeah, I gotta say it's my enthusiasm and like energy that comes with that. That's probably the biggest thing. Even when people don't like me, they uh, they're like, "That guy's like real hyper." Uh, I got a lot. I got. I don't stop. You know, awesome. like ask you out, go, 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 You're go. You're unstoppable. Go. I love it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, what is your biggest weakness? Well, it's clearly that exact same thing. Mm. You know. If you don't, sometimes like I, I go, 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 go. And I, you know, that enthusiasm, I can wrap myself up in things that, you know, I didn't really intend to, or, uh, that I have to take a set second dial back from or recognize, Oh shoot. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's always the case, right? Your, your, your biggest strength always flows into your greatest weakness. Yeah, that's a big lesson from Mario Weinsby. Did you take that from him? Uh, no, is that what he said? He, it's it's in one of his speeches. I, I saw him live in Boulder, and that's it's like whatever your if you know your biggest strength, then you know your biggest weakness. It's cool. It's yeah. true though. Um, what, it, it, it sure is. <laughs> what is one piece of advice you have for leading others? For for leading others, yes. Um, my my most important piece of advice is that 
if you're going to lead others, you have to recognize that you are the tool. And that if you are the tool, uh, not, not in the negative sense, uh, some people might, I guess it's not the late 90s anymore, uh, but you are the tool through which the work is done. And what that means is that you should spend as much time uh, sharpening or shaping your tool as possible so that you're, what you do, you're, you need to look inward first before you can lead. Mm, I love it. What is one question or thing you ask during an interview, something you're looking for? I'm looking for how people solve problems. That's what I want to know is I want to see how I want not how they solve problems. I want to see how they think. I want to understand how they think because if I understand how they think, uh, then I can understand who they are. How do you find that out? Uh, you just keep, you start with one line of questioning. It like, doesn't even really matter what it is. You just start asking about it and you keep asking why. And then you keep asking why and, and how did that, what happened there and what happened there and what happened there and you never let anything sit. I mean, you can't do it to the point where they feel uncomfortable, but you just don't stop. Um, <laughs> kind of like what I yeah. did earlier to you. To, to yeah, you but a little bit. It, but that's, what uncomfortable. <laughs> that's what you need to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, what is a current challenge you're dealing with and how are you overcoming it? Well, the current challenge that the biggest current challenge we're dealing with right now is that in the, as I mentioned, in the, the creation of a self-managing in self-managing teams, we, we are having to teach to, again, very young uh, individuals who are excited and passionate about what it is that they're doing uh, skills that are very hard to learn. So how to self-manage and how to have, you know, open and honest communication with the people that they work with, uh, how to hold other people accountable. Those are hard things to do. No, you know, uh, especially when people are so used to a sort of environment where you, you, if you have a problem, you turn to a general manager or supervisor and like, Hey, there's a problem. Can you solve it? Now everybody has to solve those problems. And that is very hard uh, to teach to people and to get them to unlearn. Um, that's the way. How are you doing that? So it's a combination of things right now. So I, I think honestly, our training structures and systems did not, were not sufficient for the, this transition. And so now I am redoing them. I am adding in material that, uh, that teaches those things. Um, uh, exactly what that material looks like. I can't, I'm not sure yet, but it's like, that's, a, that's definitely what's one thing that's a part of it. And then to, that, that of course takes time in the, in the interim to fill the kind of as a stopgap, um, we're having a significantly more, uh, sort of like staff meetings to talk about what's going on and to do like little workshops so that we can talk about, you know, these issues that, that are at hand and, and how to solve them. Awesome. I might be able to help you with that. So after the call, we'll uh, debrief. But uh, right. one thing I just want to point out from that, you're you're never going to be done. And I love <laughs> that you have this sense of like, you know what, like it's it needs to be reworked. But we should all have that mentality. Like these things that we, we do, these these training programs, these systems, these processes are never go- going to be done there. You should have the mentality that they're constantly being improved. And you're a beautiful example of that because you're successful and even you are like, nope, revamp, go to the next level, go deeper, do it better. And I just want to make an example of that. Like you will never be done. Accept it now. It's always going to be work. But what you're doing now is you're developing these people underneath you 
to do the same exact thing. So now they can take what you've worked and make it even better. Um, and so your life will get easier eventually. Like you will have, you will have the ability to do what you want, but only after you develop these people underneath you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Until you work your way out of a job, you're going to be doing that same job. <laughs> yeah. All right. What is one thing besides food your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? Oh, no question. It's the innovation, uh, the integration, excuse me, of technology. Mm. Uh, we built a custom online ordering app and we have a 21 inch touchscreen monitor um, that allows you to, you know, mark orders as in, uh, choose products as out uh, that, that reflects on the front end. We're going to dive deeper into that in a couple of questions. Uh, what is one book we must read that will make us a better person or a better restaurant owner? Um, the, the Tao of Leadership. Ooh. I don't know if you've ever read that one I before. I haven't read it, but it's been recommended. Why is that important to you? Why did you? Why would you recommend that book? I mean, I, I guess it depends. That's it. That that question is obviously depends on who you are as a person. Uh, but it spoke to me because it it's a leader. Uh, it's a philosophy and it's a leadership book of, that is about balance. Um, you know, the harder you push, the less it's going to move. It's Japanese. Sort of, it's Japanese in origin, correct? Uh, no, Taoism is, uh, no, it's, ooh, no, no, China can Asian. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I think it's, Chinese, it's Chinese. I'm fairly sure it's Confucius. Okay, cool. Thank you for correcting me. There's no, Laozi. No, it's, it's Laozi. What's that? Dude, you're way more uh, than I am. No, no, no. no. <laughs> uh, it's, he's Chinese. Okay. Cool. Uh, he was, yeah, he was a writer in like the sixth century or something. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, and all right, back to this technology. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted? Uh, maybe go deeper. This is some, an app you created. Uh, maybe you can share the platform you created the app on, or maybe, in, or you can also share some other things too, if you would like. That's making an impact well, in your business. The biggest thing is that uh, it's an obvious thing right now, but every single person uh, has a smartphone. Not every single person has a computer, and so we have spent a lot of time integrating. Um, the kind of the Google Drive suite of apps. Um, so, I mean, sorry, we integrated Google, specifically Google Drive. And so, uh, along with the idea of open book management, all that information lives like very clearly on your, uh, on everybody's phone. And so, when we do orientation, here, this is the folder you need to add, this is the folder you need to add, this is the folder Man. you need to add. So, you have all that information at your fingertips. Beautiful. I would love to have you teach a course. Would you do that for me eventually in the future to teach us how to do that? Like the steps to take? Yeah, yeah sure. That'd be awesome. Um, yeah. Any other technology you're leveraging that uh, we should know about that's been helping you? Oh, hey, I guess the, your POS system makes a huge uh, difference, but and that's a, kind of an obvious thing because every person that owns a restaurant has to have some sort well, of POS system. It, it is an obvious thing, but there's so many <laughs> options out there today. It's really hard to make a decision. So what did you go with and why? Uh, we chose Toast. Um, because they were, in, in our opinion, the best web-based, uh, cloud-based, uh, POS provider. Um, and they were pushing out updates frequently. The other thing that I looked at is that they're not, they were not venture capital backed. And that is a, um, if you're venture capital backed, you have a, you have an alternate sort of pressure mm -hmm. to grow for the sake of growth, not for the sake of quality. And so you're not as interested in just because of the kind of uh, financial structure that you uh, that you're under, 
to make a, a, as great of a product, you want to get as many units out there as possible. And so it, the product tends to be not as good. So knowing that it's not venture backed was, was a really important thing for us. Awesome. And uh, with all the knowledge you have now, if you go back in time, give your past self one piece of business advice, what would that piece of advice be? <laughs> Probably like relax. Don't take things so seriously. <laughs> awesome. it's, it's all going to be okay. Is there one question I could have asked you, Dimitri, that would have added more value to this interview? Uh, why do you wake up in the morning? Why do you wake up in the morning? Yeah, uh, to make the world a little bit of a better place. Beautiful. Man, you know, one, one day at a time. Beautiful, man. Uh, you've been great. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. That's how I found you. Tom Walter called you out. Who do you admire in this industry who's an independent restaurant operator you think would be a great guest mentor like you were for us today well i don't i i don't know about uh there's a there's a lot of them god that's what the cool thing about the restaurant industry is that you're starting to get a lot of really great people going into it and that's that's uh, give me a list you can keep you can give me a couple if you want it makes my job yeah uh hey um josh Kolb of honey butter fried chicken for sure. Uh, and his partner, uh, Christine, oh, it's Sizzle. I can't remember how to spell it. I, I'll get it to you after. Uh, their partners at Honey Butter Fried Chicken, they'd be a phenomenal interview. They've done some really great stuff. Uh, and then the other person that I just met that I was really impressed with um, is uh, Justin uh, uh, Belke of, um, what's the rest of Elizabeth and uh, Katsuni. Those are both in Chicago, and he works with the chef, uh, Ileana Reagan. All right. So uh, that's Josh and Kate. Caitlin, was it? Uh, Christine. Sorry. Josh and Christine from Honey Butter Kitchen and Justin, I'm just going to say, was it? Belke. Belke. B-E-H-L-K-E. Cool. Uh, Elizabeth, and what was the other restaurant? Uh, Kitsune. K-I-T-S-U-N-E. All right, guys, look out. I'm coming after you. I would love to get you on the show, uh, hear your story, gather your advice, and let the folks at home know, Dimitri, how can we connect with you? Maybe we want to come work for you. What's the best way to uh, to find you, whether you want oh, yeah. just your email or whatever? Or sure. If, if you're interested in uh, working at a uh, – I, I should have probably say we also have health, vision, and dental insurance, 401K with a match, pay time. That's amazing. Uh, um like really good uh, wages. Uh, if you're interested in working for a place that is mission mission oriented and you want to grow and learn, uh, sink your teeth into something, you should email me at Dimitri at demospizza.com and tell me why. Mm, I love it. Beautiful. I'll have that link, uh, your email in the show note, along with the links to everything that was recommended and discussed today, episode uh, three. 20 so go head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash three two zero you'll find uh, all the links right there dimitri man thank you so much for taking the time going over our agreed upon time to uh <laughs> stick around and to make us all better there is no questioning my man you are unstoppable cool thanks eric cheers well that was an awesome interview uh so many great takeaways today thank you so much demetrius for joining us in uh want to give a shout out to my boy Jared who's sitting right beside me who actually helped me create these closing thoughts. Say hi, Jared. Hello. <laughs> Jared's going to be helping us out here at Restaurant Unstoppable doing the editing and uh, freeing me up to go deeper into to learn more and to 
really just get some incredible people on the show. So say thank you to Jared. Uh, shoot him an email if you want. Jared P at restaurantunstoppable.com. Um, anyway, three huge takeaways for me and Jared in this episode while we we're interviewing this was uh, just that idea of e- eternal growth uh, in going inward. That internal growth spurt that he and his company went through was huge. And I kind of tied that whole idea, that internal growth spurt to you are the tool. Like that message he gave us, you are the tool. What does that mean? It means that we need to work on ourselves uh, before we can make anything great or make anyone else great. We we won't make people greater than what we are. So if you want something great, then focus on becoming great yourself. Go inward. Go inward. You can't go any further until – and then – take that inward growth and bring it to other people. Uh, it's kind of what I get from that. The other thing that was huge was a whole idea of purpose, purpose, purposeful passion. It's kind of hard to say. Um, but he, his purpose, purposeful passion was three, uh, guided areas, art, education and bicycles. And that's just like taking that, that mission, taking that, that reason for existing and taking it a layer deeper and contributing it to, an art uh, for them that was the art it was educating your people he went on to say every day you and your people should be learning something if you're not learning something if your people aren't learning something new every day you're not doing it right and then for them uh, they're an advocate for the bicycles using more bicycles in the city uh, uh, something they think think Chicago needs so they don't just say like we believe in this they they act it out every day with delivering their food on bicycles in the middle of snowstorms like that's impact that's making a statement that's living your values and then going on the last thing that jared and i both loved the idea of just taking the path less traveled and having the long game not trying to get fast results quick results and just taking the path of least resistance but really doing something because it's hard doing something because it's right and knowing that it's going to be really difficult to get there but it's what's best for everybody when done right. And when you're at that final destination, that end product, when you're laying on your deathbed and you can look back at your life and say, wow, I really made a difference. I, I, I created something great. I chose to be great instead of big, uh, was a huge takeaway. We all got from this interview. And I hope you guys got that, that takeaway too. And like always guys, if you are enjoying this podcast, please connect with me on social media, Eric Cacciatore on Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook slash restaurants unstoppable and shoot me an email, Eric at restaurants If you want to recommend a guest for the show, if you have any questions, if you have a topic you want covered or the best way I, I the way I love you guys connecting with me is through those one-on-one chats, head over to restaurants, slash one-on-one and schedule a 15-minute chat with me. Tell me what your challenges are. If I don't have the answer, I know somebody who does. I'll connect you with the right people, and uh, it's a great learning opportunity for me. And then lastly, guys, five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Um, Please help support the show. Tell everybody why you love Restaurant Unstoppable. And if you don't love Restaurant Unstoppable, that's fine. Tell me why you don't love it. And then I'll try to use that information to make the show even better. So love you guys. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out. It's so weird having somebody watch me do this. Say goodbye, Jared. <laughs>